The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show, The Visual Workplace, about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, visual mini-systems, visual macro-systems. How do we install the language of our current level of operations, operational excellence, even if we're not quite as excellent as we would wish to be or as we will be. How do we install our intelligence? The intelligence that we install through visual devices is our own. That is why the visual works workplace is so valuable in letting us literally see how we think. And predict how that thinking will function because we've captured it in these embedded devices. We are embedding the operational system that we want. It's quite intentional. And why do we bother? For the bottom line benefits in terms of improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs, and for the splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. And that includes on the executive level, which is our focus this fall on the visual leadership on the executive and also supervisory level in uh, last spring. And another benefit we get from the visual workplace is more subtle, and it is simply we enjoy ourselves at work. We enjoy ourselves at work. We do our work, and it flows. It flows because we have made it so. The enterprise becomes increasingly conscious, fluid, I sometimes say it, self-aware. Oh, wonderful. I mean, I hung out with some maintenance guys about 20 years ago, and I asked them how far they would go with this idea of letting the machine speak. And they said, these machines speak to us all the time. And I you know, I said, you mean because you're listening to the sound of the gears working and you're listening to what's right and wrong and whether the sound is correct? And, he's, and they said, no, <laughs> they speak to us. They tell us what to do and they're partners. You know, if you talk to a maintenance guy like this, someone who's been around for a while, his eyes will start to shine. And you will see that in a way he's in love with his machines and they're loving him back. This is definitely the feeling that I got when I was talking to these guys. And I thought, wow, how cool is that? Wow. Who knew? Who knew? 
But we can only do that if we can find relief from the struggle. If the struggle is all we experience, then we can't experience any other part of being at work. It's just a royal pain. And, you know, we don't want to be there. And that makes it very hard. So here's a few announcements. Today we're going to be looking at the next aspect of our visual leadership series, World Class Defined, How Much Waste Reduction is Enough? I love that question. I did it to provoke you, to irritate you, and I think I have a pretty good answer for you today in our discussion. I want to also bring your attention to our new newsletter, The Visual Thinker. My weekly radio announcement is a part of that instead of being uh, uh, sent separately. And there's always an article on visuality that I write. This week, I wrote an article on the 10 doorways, creating a workforce of visual thinkers. And this is the first of several. I want to open up those doors via the newsletter because we're going to be um, doing a series of webinars, live webinars. Our first one is today. That will touch these doorways so you can come to understand them. And you can get some pictures instead of just my voice. I hope you join us on our webinars. Um, They are beginning today right after, right after uh, this session, about an hour later. uh, The webinar begins and you can find it in our newsletter. So if this is the first of several articles, please check it out. Our featured buy of the month is my book, Visual Thinking. Instead of $55, it's on sale for $40. We hope if you don't have it yet that you will purchase it and read it. We think it's very good. It is about the 10 doorways. It is the kind of foundational book on creating a workforce of visual thinkers. And you can get it from our website or on Amazon. It's also available on Kindle. And I'm pretty sure it's available from CreateSpace Worldwide. That's also an Amazon kind of uh, store where uh, print-on-demand will send it to you wherever you are in the world. I'm pretty sure. But if you can't get a copy of any of that or of our newsletter, please send your contact information. Let us know through radio at visualworkplace.com and we will make amends right away. And our new website, which is now aimed at getting launched around Thanksgiving, fingers crossed, will include a newsletter archive and, of course, all my podcasts as usual. In the newsletter this week, you will also finally see an image of the house that I've been discussing since September and that I will also be discussing today. It's there in glorious color. You'll see all the levels, all the floors, and I, and I think it will help you find your way through the discussion a little bit better than just through voice. We're going to be doing that every week to be sending some image that supports what this, the radio show is about. And also I wanted to say, if you're blocked from getting our newsletter or from anything that we send to you, please get in touch with Horatio, Horatio Fairburn, who is our manager of technology, and he's got lots of ideas in his pocket about what could help, and he's got things written up for your IT department to follow protocols and whatever. He's there to help you get what you Uh, want from the visual workplace and from us. I will remind you that we're having public seminars in the UK in December. I'm doing a one-day visual machine hands-on workshop on Tuesday, December the 9th, just outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, I'm very excited. I really love Scotland. I've only been there twice in my life, but uh, 
It must be marvelous at Christmas time, and I'm going to the Grant's Whiskey site. They're the folks who make Glen Fittich. I'm not a drinker, but my friends who do drink, they just uh, get a happy smile on their face when I mention that. The workshop, it's very hands-on. It's going to be focused on making the machine speak. There is a protocol that I've used for a decade, and it targets different layers of machine functionality and the maintenance function as well. I think it's a very good workshop. It's very practical. It'll be just one day. I'm doing two days the week before. Uh, do I have this right? Yes. December the 3rd and 4th, Wednesday and Thursday in Cambridge at a Siemens plant, and I'll be doing visual leadership and overview of what, we, of what we've been discussing so please join us if you can, if you happen to be in Europe or in uh, the UK, we won't be that far away. You can always drop us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. And if you want to visit us on our website, it's visualworkplace.com. All right. I think those are the announcements for the week. hope I did a good job. So let's begin our discussion for today. I am hoping to wrap up the house, the operations systems improvement, let me say that right, the operations system improvement template with you today. But there are some important points that we have to discuss and it may take us yet another show. We'll find out very soon. So last week I had the pleasure of sharing with you my take on the core formula metric called the 95-5 ratio. This is a metric that we use for assessing the level of waste in an organization. And I told you the story of how it was discovered and who discovered it, the Aussies, the Australians, the great iconoclasts of the planet, rambunctious, insistent, very intelligent, and free. They really do take advantage of the fact that they're not connected. They can do as they please. Nobody's going to notice except that their contribution is so immense, and in this area especially immense, that uh, it redefined the field of operational excellence. And I told you the story about uh, how that was withheld from Japan, but discovered by the Australians, the 95-5 formula. 95%, this is on average, of waste in the activity of an enterprise, and only 5% is value-added is not waste, is the conversion process, converting material into something closer to what the customer wants. And we discussed this as part of our journey through the house, through the operation system improvement template. It's a nine-level framework designed to assist executives in clarifying their thinking, forging a strategic direction on a conceptual level. The macro metric that is represented by the 95.5 drives that strategy and it is singular. The strategy in words sounds like the relentless pursuit and elimination of waste in all its thousands and perverse forms. The shorthand for that is the house. And because that is just what it is, it is a, a, a template for defining and understanding your operational system, especially if you don't have one. If you start working through this template, you will realize the missing 
pieces that have blindsided you for decades. One of the reasons many companies struggle on a leadership level with their direction and with consistency of purpose and staying the course is because they haven't defined it yet. They've kind of inherited it either from their previous job where they had some success or from the corporation. But you really need to own this. You need to own this framework because it's a framework of thinking, and I want to say it more strongly. It's a framework of your thinking. So do your homework attached to this template, and that forces the issue and makes you identify the elements of your success that you may not have realized up until now even existed. As I mentioned repeatedly, the house is widely known but not widely used and certainly not used correctly. And I think that's mostly a shortcoming in the construct of the house and that's why I developed one of my own that has some additional components that I think really gives it legs, really makes it operational. operational. You know, it's posted on your boardroom wall. It may even be pretty. But it can't perform unless you own it. It can't contribute unless you own it, unless it is yours. So right after we uh, come back from this first break, which we're about to slip into, we will begin the discussion of um, the metric and how do you know when you have had enough, how much waste reduction is enough. I'll just use my own words. How much waste reduction is enough? Good question. Isn't that a good question? See you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 
1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. You're at the Visual Workplace. We're in our second segment of the show this week where the central question, one of the central questions that we're going to answer is how much waste reduction is enough and why is that even a good question? Some of you I know will balk at it. Oh, it's continuous improvement. We're moving towards uh, perfection. We never stop. But I want to unnest that. I want to really question it. And if we make the progress, I hope, during this show, then next week we will begin our exploration of the X-type matrix, the next step in turning your chosen strategy into results-driven, bottom-line, take-it-to-the-bank results, outcomes. But you will not be advantaged if you have not first completed your house. And I know some of you have been tracking along with me and building the house as I've been describing it to you. That was my intent in starting the series. And I know some of you, many of others of you, are thinking about it. <laughs> it's all right. I think you'll still find it a worthy discussion. The five elements in my approach to the executive function, visual leadership, Follow a sequence, the operation system improvement template, the house, that's number one. Two is the X-type matrix. Three, metrics that drive. Four is the war room. And five is the operations roadmap. Those are five distinct constructs. They look sort of like pieces of paper, except for the war room, which is a living, breathing room where you lead, but these five mechanisms are presented to you in order for a reason. There's a sequence here. If you skip one, you proceed to the others with a handicap. This is a living, real, authentic opportunity for leaders to increase their ability to lead. The paper, So let me, now we're going to move on. I've said that. I've said it many times. The paper, the piece of paper that is your house comes alive when you reach levels five and six, strategy and your macro metric. And we discussed those two over the last three shows. These are dynamic elements, full of interest, full of surprises, and full of very good, good executive learning. This for me is the school for executives. Remember, the house is counted from the top. Let me just walk through the levels so you can orient yourself. Level one, it's at the top, so we're, we're not using the ground floor as floor one. We're using the top floor, the penthouse. In fact, the cloud above the penthouse. And the cloud above the penthouse is the customer. The roof of the house is vision, so the customer is one. Vision is two. Mission is three, values and beliefs, four, strategy, five, macrometrics, six. These two we've been discussing over the last two weeks. Today, we will get to strategic principles. That's seven. Number eight is tactical targets. I hope to also address that today. And number nine is tools and methods. 
And one of the powers of using this house framework is that it turns a list into a relationship. You begin to see spatially the relationship between the parts. You see the sequence. You see where the balance point is. You see the heart, the core, which is the strategy, the macrometric, the strategic principles. And you see the foundation is your methodologies. The foundation is your methodologies. This is what makes the thing go. And all of this is pre-work before you get to operationalizing your strategy through the X-type matrix. You use this house aggressively in order to clarify and to organize your thinking executives. That's what it's there for. Don't skip the step. Okay. And again, that's in our newsletter. You'll see it. I think it looks very handsome. And I thank our editor-in-chief, Cindy Linden, for doing another fantastic job this week. So your house will come alive when you reach levels five and six, strategy and your macrometric dynamic. Before we move on to strategic principles and tactical targets, things that I promised I would do from last week, let's define what world-class is in reference to that metric. And when we do, we will answer the question, how much waste reduction is enough? (laughs) Does that sound like heresy? Don't we all know that continuous improvement is a way of life, a never-ending journey? Isn't that what inspires us to continue because we are in pursuit of the elusive holy grail of lean, continuous improvement? Well, I wonder, I just wonder, to tell you the truth, to the executive leader, to the groomed, thoughtful, experienced, skillful executive leader, the question of how much waste reduction is enough is a pretty darn smart question. Why? Well, because it ties directly back to the 95-5 ratio that defines our waste, that drives our waste reduction strategy. If on average only 5% of all operational activity adds value, actually changes the material so that it is closer to the value that your customer will buy, that means the remaining 95% is non-value-adding, what we call waste. Then we have to know at what point have we made enough progress for that ratio to tip and stay tipped. At what point does our waste reduction efforts cough up, cough up enough resource that the company can deploy the result, that the company can grow? And herein lies the answer to the question, how much waste reduction is enough. Clear as a bell. You have to engage in enough waste reduction that the resources that have been released and gathered as a result provides you the platform for your next growth step. 
I gave you this question somewhere in September. It's an important leadership question. It's an important personal question. What does growth mean to this company? What does, this, what does growth mean to me? What does growth mean? And can I grow now? Because, okay, so let's define. Sumitomo gave this in a kind of secret meeting. I was very involved in Japan, with Japan in the 1980s. Shigeo Shingo was my sensei. I made trips there. I thank Norman Bodek for uh, sending me to Japan. I learned a lot. And in a meeting with Sumitono, Sumitomo, we asked them about this strategy that the Australians had discovered. We said, can you validate that this is the core strategy of the so-called miracle of Japan, what you're doing operationally, that you are pursuing the reduction of waste, the relentless identification and elimination of waste. And they said, yes, this is a good articulation of that. Sumitomo, by the way, is one of the great Japanese companies focused on electrics, electronics and um, the whole industry of electronics. Very powerful and very, very masterful. And we said, tell us when you have gone far enough. What is your definition of world class? Is it, and we said this naively and of course embarrassed ourselves, is it in fact that you've reached world class when the ratio is reversed? When you have 5% of waste and 95% of value added? And they laughed. I mean, they laughed out loud. And the response was, of course, we had an interpreter, impossible. Impossible. You don't, if you think that you can get down to 95% of value add and 5% waste, you don't understand waste. What we see as the balance point, Sumitomo said, what we define internally as world class is a 50-50 balance. 50% value add, 50% waste. When we reached that point, and they said it in the past tense, when we reached that point, we knew that we could expand, we could grow. Because we had two things, and I'm giving you a summary of what was a much longer conversation. We have two things. First of all, we have stability in our processes. We have predictable quality. We have predictable machine utilization. We have steadiness in our processes. And we also have the resource to grow. And they said, and that is why our next step is to move to the United States. And this is what happened. This is when Japan's highly performing manufacturers activated their long-cherished vision, their vision of world conquest, but this time in manufacturing, to move to the United States. They already sold here, but the cost of transportation was so prohibitive that they could not compete on cost, on price. So they moved the mountain to Mohammed because they could. The 50-50 ratio 
allowed them to have sufficient resources to make that monumental move. To make it not just feasible, but inviting. And that's exactly what they did. And of course, Toyota did it as well. They all but took over Tennessee. Right? The transplants came. And this is what I'm saying to you executives. You can't engage in continuous improvement and let the Kaizen Blitzes be your equivalent or your platform for doing that. The reason you're doing that, if you want to protect and support and grow the organization, which is a big part of your mandate, is to capture resources and you know exactly how to use them. And the Japanese knew exactly how to use them. They knew that their greatest cost, a cost that they could not erode, was transporting their manufactured goods to the market called the United States. Please think about this. This is what will be revealed to you when you go through the discipline of developing your house. Some of you are totally on top of this and, you know, masters of this form. But some of you are missing a little bit of the mark of what your work is about. Your work is to lead. And that means you must know not only the direction but the destination. And you can only do that inside your own mind that's why they pay you the big bucks because you have a wide enough array of experience and skill and insight and intuition and strength to conceptualize and reconceptualize what growth means for your company and then you go after it and I will tell you that with Japan but I there's This is waiting for anybody who adopts this strategy. Their relentless pursuit of waste reduction, which was to make that 50-50 mark, provided them with another outcome. And that is not only only were their processes stable, but they were also knowable. They could teach them to a new pool of employees, Americans. Undisciplined, rowdy, messy, raucous Americans. (laughs) This is not my characterization. This is, you know, pretty much a translation of what I heard at the time. Unreliable. (laughs) How are we going to make sure that they follow our processes? Because quality is very important to us as we export our plants to the United States. And they had that. That was another major outcome. Not just the resources but the stability of processes and quality, knowable, teachable. So we'll pick this up when we come back from the second break, which is happening right now. I'll be here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. 
Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome back to The Visual Workplace. And uh, let us continue our discussion of visual leadership and currently the house on the strategic and the metrics-driven level. So what I want you to see is that this was in their house. It was unexpressed in the paper that they later gave us, Toyota and Sumitomo, their so-called operational system. It was unexpressed. But I assure you, because I was there, I heard them say it, that their vision, mission, and operational strategy was driven by a metric that was time-based. That was time. Waste is a shadow of time. Jap- Japan hit the bullseye when these great companies adopted that as a singular approach. And it came out of the kinds of meetings they were having as a country at the time to reestablish the nation. So that's why the ki- there was a kind of porousness in the discussion because they had a very serious mandate and a very serious challenge. That was to reconstruct a country. They couldn't let individual differences become barriers to this discussion. And so, in a way, the mind of Japan opened and a great clarity came out and we learned a great deal from it. So, remember that the mechanisms of leadership and of visual leadership of this suite that I've constructed... These mechanisms are there to allow the enterprise to improve so it can grow. And what I urge you to do is to use these mechanisms, starting with the house. But I will tell you, it's a hard row to hoe. It's a hard sell. And it's not that we're lazy. It's that we're busy. Or we think we're busy. And because we don't engage in that singular leadership 
mandate, which is to say yes to the few and wait to the many. You have to do that in your personal time as well. Believe me, it's a balance. I run a company. I would much rather be writing. I would much rather be concocting and creating universes in my head than to run a company. But if I don't run a company, I I lose the platform for sharing what I'm doing when things are just me. So we have a kind of uneasy um, uh, truce between my desire to be alone inside of my brain and the need for me to be engaged in my company. I'm not lazy. I am busy. And I have to be strategic in my choices. Otherwise, the company suffers. I know this on the, on the front line. It's a small company compared to yours. But believe me, the pressures are pretty strong. So I have to say that I see many companies that miss this alignment between improvement so we can grow. For far too many of the companies that I've come to know, improvement is remedial, not growth-oriented. And there's a huge difference. I want to say that again. It's a mistake, I want to say, to think of improvement as a remedial activity as compared to a growth activity. It's one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of the house, my house anyway, because it isn't just a recapitulation of mission, vision, values. It is a framework for growth. The growth comes from the second half of the the house, the half that doesn't exist in any other model that I've seen or studied. And I'm not selling this knowledge to you. I'm giving it to you. And thankfully, I'm really grateful. I've heard from several of you that you recognize the importance of this difference that we're discussing now, and you are in the process of capitalizing on it. You're using it. I'm so glad. Lots and lots of companies can spout the catechism of 95.5, value-add versus non-value-add. Oh, goody. But my question is, do you use it? Do you deploy it? Do you use it as a lever and as a vector of intent? The organizational landscape of your organization should change as a result of this. But that change is not simply doing more Kaizen Blitzes or focusing on continuous improvement. You know, you've heard me rant about Six Sigma, which is really another category of misunderstanding. But let me say, adopting continuous improvement as the model for where the company is going is a bit of a pale a partner. And I would say that the major part of the change is that you decide how to deploy the resources that you retrieve from your waste reduction strategy. You say, okay, enough. We have enough success in our waste reduction strategy to move to the outcome that it's aimed at, which is let us grow. Okay? And you'll see this powerfully come into play when we get to the X-type matrix and then if you advance in that far enough in the war room. The war room is the reward. A completely new way of not running the organization but driving it elegant, assured, contained, even as it expands. This is the role of executive that you want it to be. This is delicious, it's rigorous, it's mastery. One more thing before we move to strategic principles. 
which is on floor seven. We're now on five and six, counting down from the top. Remember that the Japanese did not tell us that their success was a time-based strategy. The Aussies discovered it painfully and insistently. And this is a cautionary tale. This is something for us to learn from. This tale tells us that there are seeds in the things that we ingest, that we adopt wholeheartedly. And they hold a greater truth than what we think is on our plate. And we must look for them. We must insist upon finding and understanding more. May I remind you of Borg, of just being of absorbing this stuff whole hog, absorbing the marketing of it. Question, please, these approaches that you get very passionate about, your brain should always be engaged in saying, my favorite question, so what? What is this really? What am I really looking at? What does it mean? All right. So we're now moving to floor seven. Counting down strategic principles. Here's what you do at this point in your development of the operations system improvement template, the house. You translate your macro metric into principles that allow you to put into words your sense of urgency, your sense of precision about improvement and growth. Again, this is an element that I added because I found that leaders did not communicate nor did they know how to communicate their intent sufficiently well for others to enroll, to enroll in the vision of the leader as though it were their own. We are in the bottom part of the house and this is where the translation happens and there are certain built-in triggers that will allow you to convert the house into a dynamic tool for your decision-making and your drive. So here's your homework, executives. Pick out not less than four and not more than seven driving improvement principles that you feel capture your sense of certainty and urgency about this path. And when we, when we work with executives, we hand them a list of principles. Currently, they're capped at 85 so that they can see what we mean by principles and they have an array to choose from. Some of these principles are related to process. Some of them are related to task. And we ask them, select amongst them or add to them as you wish. Sit down and circle the ones that appeal and then pare them down, pare them down until you get to principles that speak to your sense of a greater truth. And I'm going to give you uh, a few examples of these after our next break. I'm afraid we're in the, for- the, the last part of our show, darn it, but we'll be able to do this piece. I want to say one more thing. One of the biggest problems of working with principles, it's a small rant, one of the biggest problems of working with principles is that when you ask companies to come up with them and you don't give them exemplars, they just swish around in what is known and threadbare, lead with humility, respect for the individual. But we want 
principles that are more granular, more personal to you. Respect for the individual came along in 1982-83. They were translations from the Japanese. And they have that kind of watered down. It has that kind of watered down quality that we often find in translations when we can't capture the depth and the vibrancy of the original language. I mean, it's like pokey oak. It's not exactly mistake-proofing. It's mistake-proof or else. It's got an urgency to that language that can't be translated into the words of English. And as a result, people are kind of flaky about principles. But what I say to you is make them personal. If you are Jerry Garcia, then don't give me vanilla. Give me Cherry Garcia. I want to see your personality, your persona in these individuals. uh, Sorry, in these principles. You know, I love the Shingo Prize like my own heart. Shingo was my living, breathing sensei in the 1980s. But I would like the Shingo Prize to kind of strengthen their teaching of principles. They have such an important role. And of course, I volunteer to help. This is a powerful opportunity to capture your meaning, capture your emotional center. We'll we'll get a taste of that when you come back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. 
Hi, hi. Welcome back to the fourth segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are going to have to address tactical um, tactical targets and methods in our next show. I kind of think I should apologize, but at the same time, I believe that what we are discussing to the depth that we're discussing is useful to you. At least that is my wish. And so I don't regret that it's taking us a bit of a leisurely time to get through the house, but we're very close now. So here's a taste of some of the principles. This is from our list of 85, and they are kind of separated into tasks and process. It's one of the exercises that we ask leaders to do to separate the principles so that they can achieve a balance between task and process. Um, But there's this list, and leaders sit down, the executives sit down, and they just go through it. And if they don't find anything that is strong enough, then we help them. You know, what is it that you that is in your heart that is not on this list? Because this is you. This house is you. Okay. Strive for early victories. Learning is an outcome. Improvement is your full-time job. I'm just picking from them. Go see yourself. Install simple and highly accessible feedback systems. Pursue uniform repeatability. Let me say it again. Pursue uniform repeatability if that's the nature of your industry. Do not depend on an IT selection. I'm sorry, an IT solution. Poor quality, don't accept it, don't make it, don't pass it on. Visuality is our in-house adherence system. Deliver value. Learn to see. If the process cannot be stopped from making defects, stop the process. Sales pace must decide production pace. And on and on. And here's a couple from, this is from Nordbaum Trailers several years ago, empowerment and accountability. They want those two to be joined together, empowerment and accountability. And also one of their favorites is we build reliability in. Scania had something called right from me, and it meant that anything, this was a real core part of their quality, um, uh, their quality initiatives that whatever left me it was going to be right and they said it and they said it in English with a charming Dutch accent right from me so that gives you a taste and I'll I'll give you uh, Mr. Page's I had the pleasure of working with Ron Page a number of years ago and he took to this like a duck to water but he chose integrity fairness and a sense of urgency now that's not highly personalized but he was very personally involved And he was there to deliver the message and to repeat it and repeat it. These principles are very, very important. And you must find an opportunity to decide, to fashion. I call it homework. And there's a range. But all of them have a certain exhortatory quality. What I mean by that is it resonates. You feel a kind of personality. You feel the personality of the leader behind it. You know, you have to do this homework because you own the template and you have to make it go. It is your megaphone. That's why I say it's your persona. As I told you once, in Greek uh, theater, these masks that people wore were actually megaphones. If you look at them, their mouths are formed into a small shape with the lips pierced. It's a mask that every actor would wear to give them to give you an instant way of identifying what was this character. Was this character the king? Was it the bad guy? Was it the good guy? 
who was this character within a range of personalities. The persona, the name of the mask was a persona because it had this uh, a megaphone quality which you could push sound through because they didn't have any microphones. And that's where the mask and the term persona becomes one thing nowadays. So this template, this house is your persona. This is your megaphone. And yes, yes, enlist the inputs of others, of your team, but only after you've defined each of these levels for yourself every inch of the way. Bring your team in after you've completed the entire template. That is why I said to you at the very beginning, low those many weeks ago, that you have to do it first. You have to name and own each of the floors and make them connect to each other. That is the beauty of it being a template. The relationship is already there. Look, you've got a face. And we recognize the face because the template is there. Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two ears, a chin. That's the template. It shows relationship. We recognize it. That's the schematic of the house. It allows us to see the relationship. It's one of its main purposes. These elements are floor or floors. These elements or floors are not apart from each other. They are a part of each other. So do your homework. Two or three months is the usual span. Then bring in your team and you'll lead them through it. We lead you, you lead them. We lead you, you lead them. Our role is temporary. Your role is permanent. So, after principles, we move to our next floor, which is floor eight, and that is your tactical targets. We'll discuss this next week. Where will you apply the metric? What target will you adopt for your application of time? Time is the holder of all things. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Quality. These are all tactical targets I'm going to name now. Quality, machine downtime deviations, variations, late delivery, too much whip, unhappy customers, unhappy you. Time holds it all. We are in time. We are not in eternity. Time binds us. We need to pay attention. And our response resources are limited. They're not infinite. So you have to decide where to apply the metric, where to get where to get the achievement, where to get the outcome. You don't do them all at once. You have to say yes to the few and wait to the many. And we're down at the level of this model where you begin to define that. We will then carry that over to the X-type matrix. You'll be able to go through the X-type matrix with clarity and effectiveness because you've got your firm understanding of your direction and how you're going to get there. Okay, because that's what leaders do on the executive level. This is your job. I had a wonderful time with you today, as usual. And I got to run now because Justin is shutting me down. So I want to say, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. See you the next time. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.